Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Just before we begin this episode, I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Steroplast Healthcare Limited. Steroplast Healthcare Limited, setting the standards across the seven sectors. If you don't already know of them, get onto their website, www.steroplast.co.uk to look at some of the great products that they do. We've got the boxing wraps, the Sterotape Zinc Oxide Tape, We've also got the Stereotape Premium and the Stereotape K. Now, we've got World Fight using this tape. We've got local fighters, including Charlie Schofield, Ben Sheedy, Jimmy Kelly, Callum Cook. They're all using this tape at the moment, and Steroplast are getting around to all the boxing gyms. You will be able to purchase these items from steroplast.co.uk get over to that website have a look because the stereotype and the stink oxide tape aren't the only things that they actually do they do provide equipment for emergency rooms for hospitals other sports they produce items for vets medical surgeries gps first aid defibrillators things of that nature so they're not just all about the stereotype and the boxing wraps get yourself over there and have a look www.steroplast.co.uk Welcome to episode number 30 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. My name's Sean Basto, as always your host, joined by co-host Cockle Jennings and we're looking forward to a slightly less long show today. There's not as much to talk about, funnily enough, because there's not a lot going on in terms of action this weekend coming up, but I just want to talk about what we've got on the show today. But before I do that, Cockle, again, as always, how's it going? How's your weekend been? Yeah, it's not been too bad. I'm caught up with the fights on Saturday night. As I said, it's kind of a it's a quieter episode because it's quite a week of boxing, but um, 
I'm sure we'll have plenty to chat about anyway, Sean. As always, yeah, of course we do. Uh, there's always something going on. There's always speculation, of course, and there's a lot. It's kind of lots to cover in that aspect today. But today's sort of show covers off last weekend action. As we said, we had DeGale and Truax, Jarrett Heard and Lara, Dennis Hogan and Jimmy Kelly. So we're going to talk about them three fights. We got an interview that you got with Joe Cardina, which is brilliant. I'm really looking forward to getting that on the show this week. And then we've got this weekend's uh, very bare minimum action. <laughs> and then we've got the Irish boxing update boxing history and on this day and then news and gossip section which I said is probably going to be the meatiest section of today's show because there has been quite a few developments this week which I'm looking forward to discussing and what the potential outcomes of these developments are so let's crack on with this week's episode last weekend saw James DeGale come back from defeat to beat Caleb Trax for the IBF title and I want to start by saying uh, what a war it was and I was so, so happy for D- James D. Gale to come back and pick up the victory from a British standpoint but it was a fantastic, a fantastic war again. He was just, he just seems to be in the past few fights of James Gales, he seems to be in some really gritty fights. He's really having to to bite down on his gum shield type fights where he's really having to go for it and, and in that fight he got a really bad cut as well and you know, you knew, you knew for a fact that that was just affecting him all the way through the, the remainder of the fight, and for him to be able to dig deep and come through that fight and pick up the title, you know, he went over to uh, Truax's backyard this time round, and he did exactly kind of what Truax did to him the first time round, and he, he's come away with a victory. And I think they come away with a lot of respect for each other, to be honest with you, because I know in the in the build up to it again, James Gale was getting a bit antsy with him and pushing pushing a bit of needle between him. Whether that was just to kind of push the promotion and sell a bit, sell a few more tickets or whatever, but you could sort of see it was a needleish type fight. And then at the end of it all, you're like best mates, and that, that's the respect because they knew they were both in a war. The, twi- the Twitter picture really, really got me. The fact that they were both sharing an ambulance, the same ambulance that took them both to the hospital to be checked out after the fight, and that just goes to show you that they've both they've been in two fantastic fights. I mean, for a casual viewer, they probably won't think it was fantastic in terms of what they wanted to see, but uh, as, as sort of a purist, as I've become... I, I feel it was two really great and hard, hard fights for the pair of them. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we you know, we, we see a third because I think it does warrant having a third fight. A rubber match, they've both got one each now. Uh, why not? Why not do the rubber match for this one? But, Carl, you said you've caught up with it. You know, you've watched it. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was a, it was an ugly fight. It was one of them that, if you like your boxing, you would have really enjoyed it. It's great to see James together pick up, pick up, but get the world title back again because I think there was fights that we want to see that, if he had came out of Saturday night with uh, with a defeat that we probably wouldn't have get to see. So fair play to Caleb Truax again, puts in another brilliant performance. And it, it was it was one of those fights that um, the Gale knew what he had to do and he and he and essentially put it all on the line. I think his career was on the line um, the other night. I don't think he would have had to retire, but I think the, the huge paydays that he is still looking for may have been gone. But the, the, the third fight makes a lot of sense now. It's one and one. And I think people would be interested. And I think if we get it over in England again, maybe it's not going to do wonders for... Um, the kind of the James DeGale. I don't think people are going to be itching to pay to see him or anything like that. But um, he's not. He's never really in a boring fight. He's always in a kind of war, and he always seems to. They're probably wearing fights on him. I think he's. Um, I don't know how long, how how much longer he's going to be able to have these kind of fights. Where we saw in the first fight where he kind of came up short, and maybe it's that that kind of tough career that he's had is kind of um, is kind of creeping up on him a little bit. But uh, an, an ugly fight, and one of them that it wasn't in a it wasn't in a big venue or anything like that, and would have slipped under the radar if DeGale wasn't there. 
wasn't British, but he would have, would have definitely slipped, slipped under the radar. But happy to see him get the world title again. And I think if the third fight is, is going to happen, I think it's going to happen in the UK. And who knows, maybe the guy will take a little bit of time off now because it was a quick turnaround from the first fight. So he, t- he should take a little bit of time off, kind of heal up. He was fifth for the fight, but the third fight makes a lot of sense. There's other fights out there with Groves and things like that. And who knows, the Eubank Jr. fight, I think the needle between them two, it makes sense for that fight to be made. So... There's still a lot out there for James DeGale, but I'd say maybe two, three more fights if it all went his way, he could be calling it a day. I think James DeGale isn't long for the boxing game anymore. So he's a two, two-time world champion, so you can't take that away from when he went out, went over to America, did it in his backyard. And you can't, that's, that's, what you, that's what you want from fighters. You kind of go, no, I lost my world title. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get it back off him. And that, that's what he did. So excited to see what's going to happen next for James DeGale. I am as well because the thing is now, like you've just said there, he's not long for boxing. It's he's literally like if you look at the record and you look at the last few fights. I think ever since he he beat uh, Andre Durrell and picked up the IBF title, it was then he sort of really seemed to be in difficult fights. I mean, the Butte fight, no one was expecting that to be uh, a difficult fight, and it was quite a difficult fight, and Lucien Butte was kind of, a lot of people saying he's washed up and, and done at this point, but he, you know, he had a bit of a career resurgence, and, and he had a difficult night with him. He Then he had Rodrigo uh, Medina, and then he picked up a unanimous decision against him, and then he went on to face Badu Jack, which was probably the fight that people might say at this point, has broke him in, in, in some respects or he's took something out of him because ever since that fight, you know, he lost it. He lost his front teeth in that fight and, you know, he he, he went to a majority decision, a draw. And at the end of the day now, he's he, he got beat off Truax and then he's beat Truax and he just doesn't, to me, he doesn't feel like the same James DeGale he once was. It's like them fights have took everything out of him to me. And it's strange because when you look at one of his former foes, in George Groves and people were saying when Frotch put him to sleep in front of 80,000 people in, in Wembley as Frotch always tells us he, he's come back and he's he's had an absolute career resurgence but I think that's because like the second fight with Frotch it you know it wasn't as grueling essentially as this fight for, for James DeGale the one with Badu Jack and then the two with Truax he got knocked out it was a quite close tentative fight in the second fight with Frotch and then he got knocked out cold that was the end of it he didn't obviously leave any wear and tear on him because he's come back and you've seen what he's done and you know we're going to talk about George a little bit later on in the show but it just seems like for me DeGale's has lost a lot of what he had before but I've still got enough to be able to compete at that very high level and, and get some good fights out of it. Now, the Eubank fight's an interesting one because I think, obviously, Eubank didn't put in the greatest performance against Groves and people are talking about him moving back down to middleweight and going back to his natural weight. But when a fight with the Gales on the cards and it's offered to him and it's for a world title, of course he's going to take it. It's going to happen. You know, if that's what happens, happens. But then there's also a potential third fight, like we've said, with Truax. It does make sense. But he's also got his mandatory as well, and I think a lot of people are, are, are oversighting his mandatory. And if, if he finds his mandatory opponent, I think he's going to have a very, very tough night again. Now, his mandatory opponent, I, I can never pronounce these names as you know if you listen to this podcast you know for a fact i'm absolutely shocking with pronouncing names but i'll label him known as uh, jose uh, i can't pronounce it who's who's category i can't pronounce it Cahol, do you have any yeah. idea what this guy's name is jose who's category yeah oh man you get it in one all the time i don't know how you do it <laughs> but um yeah he's actually now the mandatory for the title because he won the ibf interim version of that title and he's an opponent who's got two losses on his record and most notably for fighting funnily enough uh, Andre Durrell 
and the, it was interesting because he had a fight with Andre Durrell. He got disqualified in the first one. Was that the fight where was it Andre Durrell's uncle came over and and gave him a left hook in the corner? Was that was that that fight? Yeah, he chinned him yeah in the corner after the fight. That's who's got guy, yeah. Yeah, and then he went back and then he beat him, didn't he? He um, Andre Durrell's corner retired him, and then he won. So yeah. he he's now he's now a mandatory for for James DeGale's title and I think that's the one for me personally I, I'd prefer to see that as much as I'd like to see the Truax fight again I would prefer to see that fight for DeGale but I do fear that that is another fighter as we've seen with the Darrell fights he's had he's probably going to take something out of DeGale if not take the rest of what he's got left potentially I mean, if I lost to I lost to Utakatai, and then that's it. I think I don't know where he could go from there. To be honest with you, in terms of well, I'm lying when I say that. To be honest with you, I'm lying because I know I love to see a Jazz Gross fight as well. But it just depends on if that happens next. How much of that fight, regardless of whether he wins or he loses, how much would that take out of him? I don't know. It's, it's, it's so difficult to predict because. James DeGale could go in there and completely outbox this guy and we could be sat there having a different conversation in eight, six to eight months time but based on his last few performances and the struggles he's had in the last few performances it, it, it sort of makes me feel like he's going to have another difficult night if he goes in with this fella and th- that's what I'm expecting to happen next for James DeGale but what do you think then about that particular fight? Do you think that's a fight that he could have another difficult night with? I think any fight that James DeGale goes into now I think at the very top level I think it, it's going to be tough for him. Um, it's not that he's lost anything or he's kind of he's passed it it's just he seems to make it difficult for himself he's a brilliant boxer and he he's a very clever fighter like it's one of them that he always seems to end up getting wars and maybe standing when he doesn't need to and he's getting caught with shots and he never seems to come out with just kind of a few bruises it's always maybe teeth missing as you said sean he comes out with a bad cut so it's the fight that we want to see you sky would be maybe a fight but i think at james the gales point in his career I think he wants to make the money fights. I think the other night he didn't make, well, he made a considerable amount of money in terms of, but when it comes to fighters, I think he only made about a quarter of a million. And for a world champion of James DeGale, um, the name, the brand that he has behind him, Olympic gold medalist, he should be making huge money. And it looked like that's the way it was going to go for him for a while. And then he lost to Groves and then he came back so well from that. And it's it, they've kind of, their careers have kind of almost almost mirrored each other. They've both had their ups and their downs, and it's an up now for the Gale. It's up now for Groves. So I think if Groves can come out the other side of the the World Boxing Super Series with with, with a win, I think the Callum Smith fight is there for both of them. It's there for the Gale anyway. But I, I, I'd personally like to see the Groves the Gale rematch, and I think Groves beats him again. It's just the way their careers have went that maybe one more defeat could 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 spell the end for James the Gale. Maybe it would depend on the name, the the kind of the size of the opponent, the name. I think there's a couple of more couple of more big fights, and I'd say. It's a time for James DeGale because he's given a lot to boxing. Um, you, anyone you ever hear kind of speak of him or write about him, he's always he's such a nice guy. And you'd like to see him kind of get those paydays. He's not he's not had a whole amount. Like, he's not he's not someone who's going to have seven, eight more fights. I'd say two, two maybe three more fights. And I think he's going to pick the opponent because they're making the most money and the most it has to offer. And I think that's going to be George Gross for him. I would have thought so. I mean, that that's the fight. That's the fight I would love to see from a British perspective. If you want to see a really, really Neil fight, that is the fight that would really sell. Uh, but we're just going to have to see what happens now. I mean, there's so many options really when you look at it from what we're discussing here. There's three potential fights for him there going forward. So it's it's however 
they, they, they want to take it. I mean, he might be in a position where he has to defend that IBF title and that's his next fight and it's as simple as that. But I'd like to think he has a couple of options on the table, but we'll have to wait and see and, and see what progresses over the next few months for him. On the same card that night, we talked about this last week and it was Jarrett Hurd facing off against Eris Landy Lara, which it turned out to be another good fight, I thought. I really enjoyed this particular fight after watching it back on the Sunday morning. I, I, you know, we talked a lot about Jarrah Hurd, and I think you said you expected Jarrah Hurd to win this one, uh, and he did. And it was on a split decision. It was quite a close, close carded fight. And I think when you watch the fight back, he knocked Lara down. Hurd knocks Lara down in the twelfth round, and it looked quite, it looked quite heavy. And I thought that was the end of the fight when that happened. I thought this is it. It's a twelfth round finish. But he managed to see it out to the end, and then we got quite a, a close carded um well close carded scorecards at the end of it because you had one scoring it one judge scoring it to Lara with the other two having it to, to Jarrah Hurd and I, I just think I just think he's he's the guy in that division who's he's probably the guy to beat at the moment I mean you've got the Charlos and you've got Mikael Brook moving up and you've got Smith and Ali fighting soon but if I'm going to think of anybody that stands out in that division at the moment for me it's Jarrah Hurd he, he stands out in the division he's, he's the guy that he seems to have all the charisma and seems to be able to back it up as well. And I've always talked about it a lot last week. I do now want to see him in a fight with either Charlo, um, possibly Kel Brook, and then in the future, you know, whoever wins that Smith and Ali. And, and, and obviously, we're going to talk about that next about the Dennis Hogan Jimmy Kelly fight and, you know, that situation. So I, I, I think Jarrah Heard for me at the moment is the guy in, in that division. I don't know if you agree with that, but that is just my assessment of, of the super welterweight division as it stands. But what do you think of that particular fight? Do you think it was a fair a fair scorecard for for Jarrett Hurd, or do you think it was a lot closer because some people were saying Lara won it? What do you make of that? Yeah, no, I would have uh, I would have given it to Hurd. I think the knockdown it, it did look heavy, and I didn't know if Lara would come back. But you can see what you can see where people are kind of scoring it that way to to Lara, and Lara doesn't look past it by any means. I thought that we I thought that we'd see kind of Hurd come of age and kind of put a performance on Lara, but. A split decision. I think Lara has is going to have a big say in this division still too. Um, I think an exciting fight w- would be him and um Cal Brook. That's something I'd love to see. Um, because I think Brook wants another fight, and who knows when he's out again. But we Lara will obviously be pretty well fighting out towards till probably after the summer. But I think it was Hurd's kind of coming out party. I think a lot of people now are going to get used to this division, get used to the names in the division, and it's not just the Charlo brothers or. As you said, there's Ali there and there's Trout and there's those kind of guys. But I think Hurd is going to be the one that's going to stand out the most. And he, he looks the part, can speak well, he can fight well. And I think he's one of them that it, it's one of those divisions that I think we're going to see a lot over in the UK. I think Eddie Hearn's money is going to speak it's going to speak volumes and I think it's going to do a lot. The Charlos wouldn't have had huge paydays in the past. Eddie Hearn can provide them. And there's, there's other promoters in the UK that can give these guys the kind of the platform that maybe they're not getting in the US. Even the the arena they were boxing in the other night was very small, and it's kind of one of them that it was one of those arenas that you you only fight there if you can't get it can't get it on the strip. So I think Hurd Hurd's the one that is going to really lead that division, and I think he's the man to beat. But there's such exciting fights there. You have the Charlos, you have Brook, you have Ali, and Lara, as I said, is going to be in there. But uh, I gave Hurd the, gave Hurd the fight, and uh, I think the knockdown is probably what swung it for a lot of people. But I'd love to see the Cal, I'd love to see what's going to happen with Cal Brook here. I think if he can get get past these guys, there's no reason why he shouldn't be running this division. If he can get past them, they seen that he had an altercation with Errol Spence the other night. So yeah. that's a fight that can happen. And 
it's it's getting exciting. There's I, I like when kind of divisions where you kind of sometimes you wouldn't pay a huge amount of attention to them, but then it just needs a name dropped in or maybe something that you're familiar with dropped in, and then you kind of go, oh yeah, but there's this guy and there's this guy and there's this guy. Like what the World Boxing Super Series has done for the cruiserweight division. So many fighters there that you're going to be excited to see, and with Kelbrook being dropped in, in into that kind of division now, and we get to see the likes of her, Charlo, and I, I'd love to see Larry in against Brooke. I think that'd be a huge card um, in the UK, and it's it's exciting when these kind of divisions because there's there's a number of good guys in there and it's almost like they it's because it's kind of a quiet division they're probably all going to fight each other at some point so so it's exciting coming up now over the next over the next couple of years what's going to happen is Cal Brook going to stay there is the American going to fight is the American going to that is that fight going to happen in this way division so Heard is going to be one of them I think we will see him in in, in the UK at some point and um, but exciting to see wherever he's boxing because he 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 has the he has the mouth he has the look he has he has the title now so and we're going to be seeing a lot more of him and, and excited to see a lot more of him yeah really looking forward to seeing more Jarrett Hurd for sure well, it moves me on nicely, really, to, to the other fight, which was uh, most notable over the weekend, which we spoke about. And it was the Battle of England versus Ireland, which we discussed last week. Uh, same division, super welterweight division, Dennis Hogan, Jimmy Kelly, going at it for 12 rounds over in Brisbane. Dennis Hogan picked up the victory uh, with a 12-round decision. Now, this is going to be interesting because... I don't I don't know how you saw the fight because we've not actually spoke about that particular fight since it happened. When I watched it, uh, it was on at midday, I think it was about, about half 12 midday time when I, when I was watching it and I felt like it was a, a, a sort of a tale of two halves with that particular fight. I felt like sort of Jimmy sort of controlled maybe the first half of the fight but then Denny started to really come back in the second half of the fight. Personally, I had it quite even going in going into the 12th round if not the end of the fight to be honest and I know one of the commentators sort of said they had it even going to the end of the fight I think it could have been scored either way if I'm being totally honest there's no bias involved when I say that because I do feel it could have been scored either way I think it was kind of what you like kind of fight there really but when the scorecards was announced I was absolutely mortified I was absolutely mortified and that's where the sort of bias side of it comes in because Jimmy's Jimmy's a Manchester lad and I felt like he was kind of given a bit of a harsh deal by the judges there because I don't think you know there was a one scorecard which was 119-109 which is 11, 11 rounds there was no way that he didn't win more than one round in that fight for sure I know for a fact he, he won at least five or five or six rounds in that fight but again that's just how I seen it and maybe you could say there was a bit of a slight bias on it but I was trying to be as objective as possible when watching it and, and, and trying to sort of see how it would go and see how the judges would have it uh, I was actually expecting sort of a, maybe a one one five one one three card either way so I wasn't really surprised when Denny's got the nod but I was more surprised about the scorecards, to be honest with you. And uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's been coming out afterwards. And Jimmy started posting stuff on his social media about some issues that had gone on prior to the fire happening. And it was mentioned in the post-fight interview. And, and, and a little bit more seems to be trickling out over social media. And again, when when you sort of have your say in a minute, Carl, you can don't know whether you've heard anything of this. But apparently there were some issues with, um, with, with Jimmy and the medical side of things you know in the hours leading up to the fight not even just the days apparently in the hours leading up to the fight on fight day there was some issues over over Jimmy's medical over summer previous and there was issues with British Boxing Board of Control and the fight wasn't going to go ahead and then it went ahead and he seemed to be very disruptive by the sounds of it from what I'm interpreting from some of the messages that are coming out but there seems to be some sort of legal involvement going on and not a lot has been said other than what 
kind of people are trickling out over social media. I can't really say if that's had any impact on the fight or not. I mean, yeah, it probably disrupted him on the final day or the final two days of the fight, whatever, but... Jimmy fought his heart out, Dennis fought his heart out, and, and on the night, you know, Dennis was the man that walked away with it, and he goes on now to, to look at fighting um, Saddam Ali uh, and, and Liam Smith. Uh, and another thing, just before, again, before I pass it over to you, Carl, the commentators were saying it was an official eliminator, but I don't actually believe it was announced, It must unless it was announced last minute, but my understanding of it was, and what Jimmy was saying on the on the interview uh, on the podcast, was that it was an unofficial Eliminator essentially, but they were sort of saying it was an official one. What do you what do you make of the the fight, the whole situation, the aftermath? What's your take on it all? Yeah, the, the, to start with the scorecards, they they were a joke. I think the the most you could probably split them by what I could split them by was maybe three, maybe maybe three rounds. They, they, some of them, some of the scoring sometimes in boxing would kind of leave you thinking, what were they watching? Hogan, for me, it was unofficial. I think everyone knows that it was unofficial. You don't know if the commentators were kind of given maybe information to kind of hype the fight a little bit, but it, it was it was unofficial. But who knows what if Hogan can get the chance now at the winner? But it, it's a pity that it was unofficial because it, it doesn't mean that it's it's set that he's going to get a, a title shot next. Yeah. And even though title eliminators, even if they are official, it doesn't always mean that you're going to get a title shot next. Um, it was it was one of them that I think Hogan started slow because I think he's only he hasn't fought much lately and. Maybe a little bit tentative, feeling it out, and kind of trying to get, trying to get the, trying to get the bearings of kind of, um, of Kelly, who who was the bigger man. So it, impressed with Hogan coming through, and it, it it was a tough fight, and the scorecards, yeah, is something that it, it didn't make much sense when you when you look at them, and it it was a good tough fight, and I think people who know Dennis Hogan would be delighted because it's something that when you when you listen to any of his interviews and you watch him speaking after, it looks like um, it looks like a dream come true, and. I'm so happy when you see kind of guys elated. It's kind of he he didn't win the world title, and he might not even get a world title shot next. But you can see what it meant to him. And I, I haven't heard anything kind of about this kind of the medical issues. Kind of trying to read through it, and you're seeing stuff about neurologists and stuff like that. I think it's better not commenting on stuff like that until you know until you know the facts. But you'd be hoping that kind of medical issues isn't what kind of hampered either fighter's performance or didn't hamper Jimmy Kelly anyway. It, it was one of them. It was an exciting fight, and if it was happened again, it's one I think people have more eyes on and and and, and would be interested in seeing. I think the the boxing board of control had concerns, so it'd be interesting to see what their take is on it. But it's strange that if they did have any kind of any doubts about kind of any medical that even in the hours leading up, it's strange that they just wouldn't pull the fight. But you'd be thinking, why would you still be doubting any medicals in the in the build up to the fight? It should be signed, sealed, delivered. And if you think that someone's going in there with kind of maybe some medical issues that they shouldn't be allowed to fight, so maybe there's some questions to be answered there. But I'm um, delighted for Dennis Hogan, and it'd be great to kind of see if he can get if he can get the world title shot now. And if if it's something that comes off from you, you, you wouldn't be writing him off. I think. The world title that he's going after isn't kind of the opponents he'd be going in with and that's the, the biggest and baddest. So I think Hogan has a chance, but it'd be interesting to see now what happens um it, over the over the over the couple of months and uh, we can see if his name is in the hat when it when it comes to an opponent when it comes for an opponent for the Ali and Smith winner. No, oh, fair play to Dennis Hogan for picking up the victory. I mean, like you said, he did start off a little bit slow and uh, he seemed to sort of come come, come in himself within a few rounds of, of of sort of settling down into it and fair play to him. He's got an opportunity now and I, I didn't really know all, much of him, you know, before that. And, and now he kind of makes me feel like Regardless of the result, I want to see what happens for him, and I want to see where he goes with his career, and I want to see if he gets a shot against Smith or or Ali, and if he gets that shot, 
will he make the most of it and, and could we see him become a champion by the end of this year so it does he does kind of off a performance like that it does make me want to see how his career progresses further and that, that's the beauty of boxing I suppose when you pick up on a fight which you you feel was a, was a good fight and you, you think oh well, I've not really seen a lot of this fire and I want to see more of this fire this is exactly this is exactly how you do it so fair play to him you know I hope obviously whatever's happened in the build up to the fight gets sorted and I'm sure we'll probably hear about it over the next coming weeks but you know all the information I've got is, is really just from, from bits of information I've seen on social media so I don't know how much of it is true how much of it isn't but I'll be interested to see, I'll see how that progresses and, and, and what the type of issues were but if it, if it is anything to do with sort of medical side of things and doubts over it that, and, and it could you know, have caused some disruption to the fight and certain boards are to blame then it's going to be sort of interesting to see how that pans out because that could hamper people in the future you know it could be issues like that in the future it could hamper situations so I am really going to keep a close eye and sort of see where that one progresses to but I want to move on to the next part of the show and it's the interview that Cahill you picked up this week and you managed to get the Welsh wizard Joe Cardina uh, fresh off his victory against Hakim Ben Ali on the Parker Joshua undercard it was really really great to, to, to get Joe on the show to be honest with you Cahill so fair play to you for getting that one and it must have been really good to be able to speak to him as well yeah, one hundred percent. I think I think we spoke before that it's kind of it's it's Joe Cordina, kind of um, Josh Kelly, Buatzi, Bacoli. I think they're going to be the the next breed of fighters for Matchroom. The ones they're going to put the put the machine behind and really push them, hopefully onto the world title. So it was great to get the chance to speak with Joe. He's only a few fights in, but really exciting times ahead. And as someone who's been, if you look at the cards he's been on in in, in a short professional career, I think it's only going to stand him in great stead. And I think it's time for these fighters to kind of come into their own when Kelly you can see he's getting his own show up in the northeast I think Cordina will get his own show in Wales at some point this year so it's exciting times ahead and, and Joe Cordina is definitely definitely one of them that you'll be keeping your eye on because you you wouldn't be surprised that if he can keep it going the way it's going that he'll end up with a world title at some point yeah absolutely well guys listening to the podcast have a listen for Joe uh, and we'll come back to you in a few minutes hi Joe how are you getting on hi mate you okay yeah I'm not too bad uh, Joe I'll just run through a few questions as I was saying to you and I won't keep you too long uh, Joe, I just wanted to get your opinion of your performance on uh, on Saturday night. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a decent enough um, uh, performance. Um, obviously, I was going. I didn't know too much about him. I was going out to, to just uh, just to box and, and see what he had first on. Because I was expecting um, uh, a long ten rounder because he'd been the distance a few times. So um, for myself, it was just about going out, uh, getting behind the jab, seeing what he had for a couple of rounds, and then work off that. But as soon as I started to sort of pick up. Um, Pick up the pace and pick up the power. Um, sort of folded, which was um, which was, was good. So it, it created an early night's work for myself. And how did the the late change in opponent kind of did that throw you off, or was it were you just saying were you were you focused? No, of course I'm 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 one of them fighters which not much many things fade me. So uh, being a, a top amateur as well and being in tournaments over um, 10, 10 days and fighting five different opponents and some of the opponents I know nothing about. So it's a uh, the change of opponent didn't really save me. I, I was training hard and, um, for Andy Town, and, and if it was someone else, I would have um, I would have been focused, and, uh, and the plan would have been the same. But um, yeah, it, it didn't really save me. I got in there and done uh, done the job I had to do. And you picked up the the WBA international lightweight uh, title. And what was it like picking up a, a kind of a major title at this level um, in front of your home fans? Um, it, it, it meant a lot for me. Um, fighting for my first title in my hometown um, yeah I couldn't ask for, for more uh, really but yeah it was a great feeling and to wake up in the morning and be down the, on the desk opposite the, 
opposite my bed was um, was great and um, it was a very powerful moment for me. And what was it like after the disappointment of the the last card in Cardiff? You kind of it, it might have all felt a bit rushed. What was it this time getting to walk out, kind of being able to settle into it? Yeah, that was um, great because obviously I had um, I had the, the ring walk, my 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 uh, music playing. I knew what time I was on. Um, I knew what time to get to the venue. Everything was planned out perfectly. And for myself, it was um, it, it was just it was it, it was great because I could sort of relax as well as obviously me being nervous and and the butterflies going and everything else. Um, what you have before you fight, but it was a little bit more relaxed in the changing rooms and everything, uh, leading up to the leading up to the fight because I knew where everything was and everything was in place. Where as his last time. Um, in the, on the last on the attack on the um, everything like I said was rushed and um, I didn't know where I was and I was pretty much in the dark for the whole night so yeah it was um, it was much better for, for for myself. And what what's it been like ever since you turned pro? You've you've do you suffer from nerves now? Kind of you you fought on such big cards. Do you think fighting on these big cards is going to help you in the in the next few fights? Maybe when the cards are starting to be built around yourself. Um, yeah, I, I think like nerves. Yeah, of course. It, I, I get um, nerves the same as anyone else. Um, Drink human if you don't get them, but there's a, a thing like you get nerves. But I I know how to control mine. I've been in some of the, the biggest tournaments uh, as an amateur Olympic Games, which for me don't get bigger than that. And that, that for me that was the most nerve-wracking moment of my 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 box, whole boxing career. So when I when I'm fighting on these shows, yeah, I get uh, nerves. I know how to handle them, um, but it don't compare to like it don't come nowhere near the, the nerves I had for the Olympic Games. So it's a uh, it's a little bit eased, eased down for for myself. So yeah, it's uh, it's um. It's good. It's good to, to to be able to fight on these big shows and being able to handle my nerves and handle the the crowd and everything else. It is. Uh, it just it, it makes me feel a lot easier. You spoke about your amateur career there, Joe. Um, how have you found the kind of turn into professional game? You've seemed to do it seamlessly. Yeah, it's um, it's my first my first couple of uh, months was um quite difficult because obviously as an as an amateur, I'm, I'm, I was more hit and not get hit. I was pulling away. Uh, a lot chin up in the air um, I was bouncing around a lot uh, my footwork was, was was good but it was all over the place at the same time and everything else but um, I was more concentrating on just picking up points nothing else not sitting down on shots but me knowing um, the pro game now it, it's more about sitting on your shots getting them power shots off um, settling down over these long long longer rounds and um, I think I've adapted well but the first uh, the first couple of months was quite um, difficult like obviously me training with a with a, a new trainer and um, and and everything else, but yeah, I think I've adapted well. Uh, over the, uh, especially with the transition from amateur to pro is is completely different, but I think I've done it well. So someone that we've seen, it's kind of almost a blueprint. The Anthony Joshua, someone who's who's done very well at the Olympics, and then he, he signed with Matchroom. Is that kind of would he motivate you when you see the path he's taken from the Olympics, Simon Matrium, just like yourself? Is that is that the kind of path you'd like to follow yourself? Yeah, of course. He's where every boxer wants to be. Um, he's in the he's in the limelight. He's loved by everyone. He, he's making the big money. He's, making, he's creating the big shows, and he's probably one of the biggest. For me, he is the biggest boxing um, uh, boxing superstar out there right now because of um, he's got. He's He's pretty much got everything. He's got the whole package, and um, he's, he, he stands out for, for me that, uh, uh, rather than anyone else. Um, technically, like the likes of Lomachenko, Canelo, um, Golovkin, all them fighters do, but they, they, this guy, Andy Josh, he's got everything, and he's come through the exact same process of what I've 
gone through. So yeah, um, the fact uh, as, a, as far as an inspiration and someone that we we need to take um, take behind and try and get to where he's getting to, he's a perfect example. And he's a he's a great role role model for all up and coming boxers and and um, even even experienced boxers because he, even though he's um, still early in his career, he's still a, he's he's ahead of a lot of a, a lot of experienced fighters as well as. And one thing I wanted to touch on that we seen Josh Kelly and uh, Buatti there the other night. What have you made of their change to the program? It seems like the kind of three are the kind of are, are the next step for for Matchroom. That's who that's who they're they're really putting their uh, putting their chips behind. What do you make of that? Yeah, um, uh, myself, uh, Buatti, um, Josh Kelly. You got the likes of Lonzo Coley as well, who doing things. Anthony Fowler. Um, you got Kai Dashback, Joe Joyce. All these boxers are Olympians as well as myself. And you come from the same squad, and we're all doing uh, doing our own things. And um, we're we're all we're all very good mates. And we're even though we're good mates, and we want each other to do well, we're always trying to outdo each other. So even though like yeah, we're talking, we're having the crack, but we always want to do better than the next man. Uh, so for us, it's good. It keeps us uh, on our toes, and it's good competition. And um, it's great to see us all doing doing uh, really well and uh, hopefully we can all get to, to where we want to be and which is uh, win a world title and, and, and mix it up there with the best you your amateur background is stellar so do you think someone who with your amateur background maybe should be doesn't have to have the kind of as many feel out fights when they turn pro do you think maybe you're ready with the WBA international lightweight title that you're ready for kind of maybe the bigger fights the bigger step ups now Joe yeah of course um, you, like like there you said it my amateur career is is um is a is a major factor. That's why I can be sort of uh, flashback a little bit. But at the same time, you still have to um, take the right fights and right steps. Um, because if you take one too early, and it could affect a lot of things. If you take that one loss so early on in your career, it can knock knock your confidence. So for me, um, it's about taking the right fights at the right time. Even though I've had them uh, a lot of amateur fights, and I could I could be flashback. But at the same time, I'm I'm still learning. It's a completely different world from the amateurs to the pros. It's completely different, and that's why it's, it's um I, I found it hard to, for the first few months to try and um, take that transition over to the pro game because you have to settle down. It's completely different training wise. Um, when you're sparring, it's, it's it's more it's more relaxed and it's over the longer period. So instead of the three threes and you're in and out and you're yeah, it's it's a it's a sprint. This is a, uh, the pro game, the marathon. You're looking to to work someone out, uh, break them down, and then eventually try and get get them out of there. But in the amateurs, it's point scoring, and it's a sprint. It's over in 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 seconds. So um, yeah, it's about I could be fast track, but it's my career and it's my livelihood, and I, I want to get to the top. So it's about taking the right fights at the right time, right step, and um, um, and it's sort of to to uh, guide me to that to that world title which which every boxer wants to get it's a, it's a business at the end of the day and that's um and that's where I, I need to be is at the top you've started off 2018 with a bang joe how would you like the rest of the year to progress um same way uh i'd love to pick up a few more titles um this year um uh, but it, like i said it's right fight to the right time if i go out with my next fight and don't put on a great performance then i have to sit down and and um see where i need to go do i need to pull the reins back or Whatever is 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 totally fight by fight, and, and that's uh, how I'll how I'd, uh, that's how I'll, I'll analyze it. But um, yeah, I'd like to pick up titles, but like I said, it's fight by fight, and that's why uh, that's what I'll do uh, by my next fight. Then I'll, I'll know where I need to be and um, and what the plan is after that. How what would it mean to you, Joe, uh, to get a, a big card, like yourself as the main event in Cardiff? Oh, it, that'd be great if I could get uh, my next fight and, and headline um, in Cardiff. That'd, that'd, that'd mean the world to me. Uh, being sort of in my hometown, my last in in the last what five six months fighting twice in my hometown in in 
in arguably one of the best stadiums in the world. Um, but so far down on the, the on the undercard, it's quite um, disappointing. And like, it, 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 I've got to take um, the positives away from it as well. So I've got to on two of the biggest shows in British boxing history, and um, it did in my hometown, and I fought in one of the best stadiums in the world, and in one one of them times it was in front of seventy five thousand. So I can't really argue, but it would have been great if I could either fight up higher up the card or. Um, or if, uh, uh, like now, if, if say for instance my next fight is in uh, um, Fragment Sigdom or Boynton, I'm headlining there. Um, it probably it probably be a better buzz me fighting there than fighting in the, the Principality. It seems to be that Olympians, if they do well at the Olympics, they seem to sign with Matchroom. What's it been like working with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn? I think they have the blueprint there for if you're an Olympian, you, you sign with them and they and they can push you in the right direction. What's it What's it like being working with them and Eddie Hearn and, and being on these massive shows? Yeah, it's great. Um, I think we've. With uh, Matchroom, Eddie, uh, and Sky, I think um, they they've 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 hit, they've got it spot on, um, and especially for as Olympians, they they give us the platform, and it's down to us then. So they they, they uh, Sky and and Sky give us the platform, and give us, they give us the fights, and then it's down to us. We go out and put a, the performances on, and um, and it, it goes from there. So we have to keep performing, although they give us they give us everything, all the tools we need that, that we we need, and we gotta we gotta go out and prove it, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's great work with them. They're, they're, they're all very professional, and um, I, I, like I'm, I'm enjoying working with, working with them. And I look to some, uh, look some big nights in the future. And it'd be remiss of me, um, Joe, if I didn't touch on one of the biggest stories in boxing at the moment. What do you make of uh, the, the whole Canelo Triple G situation and, and what's happened there? And what do you think of maybe if you do get popped for kind of drugs and stuff like that? What do you think the kind of the the consequences should be? Um, it, it really disappoints me because um, obviously. Canelo is one of my favourite fighters and I do look uh, at him uh, a lot and try and base my style on how he um, is as well as like the likes of Lenares and everything else but yeah it's quite disappointing um, I think you can't take away it's a boxing is a dangerous sport and um, it's especially if you don't take it serious and uh, with, with um, like drug speech and everything else uh, and Canelo being caught there's only one thing you can do because like I said it is a dangerous sport you can't you can't you can't be doing that for me they there has to be a ban in place um, to make it you can't get away with that it, it doesn't matter who they are you can't you can't um, uh, cheat in this game and, and think you can get away with it because it's, it's, it's bad for the sport one more Joe and, and that'll be it for me um, the, the lightweight division in Britain is is really buzzing at the moment we've seen Lewis Richardson come through would it be out of the question for you to challenge for the for the British title at some point this year um, yeah like I said um, it, it would be nice I'd like to pick up a, a, a domestic title but like I said it's one fight at a time and um, uh, I've said it before my if, if my next fight is that's where my future ends so depending on who I'm fighting my next fight then that's where it ends it, like I said it'd be, it'd be nice to pick up some domestic titles um, the lightweight division is booming and uh, there's some big fights out there for me but um, my next fight is where my future ends and I've got to get that depending on who I'm, who I'm fighting first so yeah um, it would be nice but like I said one step at a time there you go great to listen to Joe there uh, great insight for his fight a couple of weeks ago and great to hear sort of where he wants to take his career and we were saying this on the podcast weren't we uh, not long ago that it, you know the, them type of fighters Cordina Buatzi Josh Kelly you know that crop of fighters uh, are really going to look to do good things in boxing and it's really you know really good of Joe to, to, to take the time out to uh, give us the interview for the show so really 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 good listen that and like you said 
just before we put the interview on for the listeners it was it's great to sort of be getting in the sort of mix with all these types of guys and you know having having these guys on the show so yeah really really good one so thanks joe if you listen to the podcast thank you very much for the interview and um, we're going to continue to look forward to seeing you in action soon so i want to move on then to go to this weekend's very lack of action i must say i said it at the top of the show there's not a lot going on it was funny because we and you were talking off the podcast today Cahol, and i actually thought that uh, the Carl Greco card was on this weekend. I was actually getting excited about it, thinking, "Oh yeah, that's gonna, you know, there's some good fights on that card. You know, some good fighters on the card." Then come to realise that that's actually next weekend that we're going to get that one. So I was a little bit disappointed, but then. I knew then realised what fights were on this weekend, which is very little. Uh, the first one that I do want to talk about from a British perspective, which is over here at the King Power Stadium, Leicester City's football club, is Sam Bowen versus Maxi Hughes for the British Super Featherweight title this weekend. Now, Sam Bowen, he's currently undefeated 12 0. He was actually uh, talked about as a potential opponent for Zelfa Barrett and also Leon Woodstock Jr. as well. And he's got a reputation of being a bit of a banger. And there's also people saying that he's an avoided fighter as well. But this weekend he goes in against Maxi Hughes, who we have seen in action before, and we have seen him in against Martin J. Ward. And both occasions he went the distance with Martin J. Ward. He kind of makes me feel like it's going to be a measuring stick fight for Sam Bowen, to be honest with you. And this is an opportunity for Sam Bowen to, to take a step up in levels by fighting someone like Maxi Hughes. I, I am expecting Sam Bowen to come through it, if I'm being totally honest. I feel Maxi Hughes, as good of a fighter he is as he is, boxing is about levels at times, and I think this is to see where Sam Bowen is. If he beats Maxi Hughes, he's, he's at that level and he's going past that level, and we're going to see if he can progress on potentially to European level in the future. But, Cahill, I'll come over to yourself, and we've talked about Sam Bowen before. What what do you make of him as a fighter, and how do you see this going for him on Saturday? Yeah, he's a good fighter. He carries real power. I think it's going to be... It's one of them. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you, Sean. It, it's a measuring stick. We're going to see what Sam, Sam Bowen has. Um, I think Maxi Hughes, is, is he's got a good record. He doesn't carry power. I think, I think that's obvious to anyone. So, it'd be interesting to see... How it goes, be interesting to see what Sam Bowen can do if he can pick up the British title. There is big fights out there, and it's it, it, it'll be good maybe while it lasts. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Sam how good he looks. But there's no right Max Hughes off. His, his record isn't. It, it's not kind of. It's not huge amount of losses. It's only something like two or three. So for me, I'm gonna back um, Sam Bowen in this one. I think he picks up the British title. But the sound of it, he's in the he's in the um, it's in the King Power. I, I'm sure it must be in some function room or something like that. I can't imagine it's out on the pitch being just a British title fight. <laughs> yeah, no. It'll be in like the hotel that they have attached. I think they've got, I'm sure, pretty sure they've got like, some sort of hotel or something attached to it. Um, there's quite yeah. a few football stadiums like that that do that. But I was um, just sort of interjecting there a little bit. What I was just about to say was that this is actually for the vacant British Super Featherweight title, which was held by Martin J. Ward. And obviously, yeah. Maxi Hughes has fought Martin J. Ward twice. But earlier on in his career, he also went in with Scott Cardle. Uh, funnily enough, Ronnie Clark, who beats Alpha Barrett recently. So he has mixed in some really good company within the domestic scene in that division. However, as I've alluded to, domestic scene and measuring stick I think this is exactly the type of fight we're going to get and like you just said there I do I do see Sam Bowen walking away whether or not it'll be KO for Sam Bowen I don't know because um, looking sort of through he's, he doesn't seem to pick up a lot of the losses that he has had uh, on, on, on his record he, he, you know he doesn't doesn't seem to have had any sort of issues with losing to, to, to knockouts so I think it's more of a case of 
can he take Sam Bowen the distance? Take this reputation a little bit down a notch from what Sam Bowen's got at the moment because he's the guy that's going in there as the banger, the guy that's going in with, with 12 wins and eight of them being by knockout so it'll be interesting to see where this leads on and if he has a good performance and he does just actually knock Maxi Hughes out then essentially that's making a statement for him and he picks up the British title and the process as well and then all eyes are on him then in the division because you've got the likes of obviously Zelfa Barrett wanting to come back Ronnie Clark because you know potentially he could get a fight now we beat Zelfa Barrett and then there's also Leon Woodstock Jr. as well in the mix so there's quite a few fighters there in the mix where potentially see some good fights domestically in the future One of them those divisions is good kind of as you said it's good domestic division so if uh, Sam Bone can pick it up on 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 Saturday evening who knows what kind of big fights he can be in after that yeah it should be good to see what happens it's not even on I don't even think it's on TV as well you know I was saying this before I don't even think we're actually going to get any coverage of it which is pretty disappointing to be honest with you with it being only the only sort of major British fight on this weekend you would have thought someone would have picked it up I'll have to have a check to be honest with you because I got the feeling I'll say this now and then they'll be it'll probably picked up by Box Nation or something like that <laughs> they do have a habit of kind of picking stuff up like this at the last minute so we'll, we'll, we'll have to have a look and see and find out uh, well, whilst, we, whilst we're doing the show but I swiftly wanted to move it over back over to yourself now because I wanted to put on to the Irish boxing updates because there is obviously an Irish fighter in action this weekend as well as obviously the updates you've got. So Cahill, tell us what's going on in Ireland and what's going on in Irish boxing at the moment. Yeah, so I think what I think we were as Compton last week that uh, it looked like Gary Spike O'Sullivan was going to get going to get the Golovkin fight. Unfortunately, it looks like they they could it could postpone the fight altogether. So um, it, it could be it could spell disappointment for for Gary Spike O'Sullivan. It's, I think it's just that they can't find an opponent. I don't think they're able to build it quick enough for kind of. I think it was just going to be on regular HBO, and then it, it wasn't going to be pay per view. I think the fight seems to be coming down over and over and over. So it 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 would be a real disappointment if Gary couldn't get the fight, and I think he'd still be fighting around that time in May. So disappointed in terms of if the fight gets pulled, but really hoping that that it still comes off. But just seeing that it could be in jeopardy now is kind of I think it's running out of time to kind of build a fight for the American fans. I think a lot of people might get turned off if it's if it's a kind of a, a late throw together job, which I don't think they should have let happen. I think they would have been able to put it together if they just had an announced opponent. I don't know why they're not going with Spike O'Sullivan. I think he's fit, he's ready, and he's a name in America, and he's someone who's been in there. And I think some of the names bandied around this fight are a joke. I think that Spike deserves it. Hopefully, hopefully it does get get sorted in the next day or two. It seems to be a bit of a roller coaster at the moment with with that fight. So I think the last thing we'd want is it to be spawned because I think at the end of it we'd still like to see Golovkin in the ring. You'd just be hoping that it is against Spike. And um, the other bit of action we have uh, this week, we have Paul Hyland Jr is taking on uh, David Birmingham in kind of a keep busy fight up in Belfast and that's this weekend probably a keep busy fight maybe waiting for the kind of the, the call for the Lewis Ritson fight but not going to do Paul any 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 trouble to be to be back in there and um, he hasn't fought this year yet and the last fight he had was with Stephen Orman and I think there's a kind of cloud around that one for a few people so um, good to get back in there shake off the ring rust and maybe kind of if he can get pick up a pick up a win over the weekend going to have a good performance I think he'll be ready for, uh, for Lewis Ritson maybe come Maybe come June. But other than that, it's going to quite quiet on the on the boxing front here in Ireland. Brian Willett is looking to get um, boxing back over Mayo, so it'd be interesting to see if he can get boxing back over the west. Of- but other than that it's all quiet on the, on the Irish front Sean well you know what like, going back to the Golovkin Michael Sullivan saga at the moment he's um, it's becoming a bit of a joke if I'm being totally honest with you because the thing is they're talking about first of all Spike O'Sullivan was the front runner. There was talk of Billy Joe Saunders going in with him in June, which came out last week. 
And then there was talk of him fighting this unknown fighter, the 21-year-old that was undefeated with what looked like a padded record. And then this week they were talking about him fighting that, um, I can't, again, I can't pronounce this fella's name, Vane's, I think it's Martison or Martison. They were talking about him fighting Golovkin. Then it's gone back to Spike O'Sullivan. And now, like you just said there, He's, he's potentially going to be called off completely. If that if it gets called off, it's an absolute joke, to be honest with you. At the end of the day, both guys have been in training. Spike's been in training anyway, and Golovkin's been in training for a potential fight, which was supposed to happen with Canelo. So it just feels like they've got enough. They've got enough time now. If they, if if they announced it this week, I think they'd have enough time because. Social media, as we've said, has been buzzing with the Spike and Triple G. Loads of people making their own little fan-made posters and, and, and articles going around about the potential fight. That's the fight everyone wants to see now. So they just need to stop messing around and make it happen, I think. It's, politics gets too much involved at the, in boxing sometimes. And this is another situation where it really annoys me. And I just wish they did, did come to a conclusion on it. I hope in the, within the next week that we get an announcement and it's either Spike Holes 11 fights or it's off. It's as simple as that. We need to put an end to it now because it's it's getting a bit ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you talked about Paul Highland uh, fighting this weekend. Paul Highland Jr., uh, what looks like uh, a, a keep-busy fight. We've talked about this before off the podcast and we feel it's a keep-busy fight for Paul and it's an opportunity then to, to get him ready for a potential fight with Lewis Ritson, which is being talked about uh, later on this year. So it'll be good to sort of see how how he gets on and, and I'm expecting a win for him there against David Birmingham who seems to be relatively novice pro so should be good there for him to get the, the ring rust off and then yeah like you said not a lot going on it's um, it's a very 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 quiet weekend for boxing this weekend however we've still got lots of stuff to go through in terms of news and gossip but before we go through that section we've got boxing history and on this day so the one that stood out to me there was quite a few that came up for the 11th of April but there was this one that kind of stood out to me more than anything and it's one that you'll probably appreciate Carl because it's a heavyweight one and it's from 1981 Uh, it was Larry Holmes forced to go the distance for the first time against Trevor Burbeck defending his WBT heavyweight title it was the first time Larry Holmes had ever gone the distance and it was a 15 round fight back when boxing was 15 round fights back in the day at that point Larry Holmes he was the next he was kind of taking over really from sort of Ali at this point Ali did come back and have a couple more fights but he was never the same fighter again as we've seen and subsequently what happened to him with the Parkinson's afterwards this was the start of Larry Holmes's era really and and beating Trevor Burbeck you know that uh, WBC heavyweight title and, and obviously retaining it and going the distance for the first time after knocking everybody out it was just it was really good to see that fight because I have watched that fight back it's one I have seen because when when I, I like to watch a lot of documentaries boxing documentaries and there's so many of them out there and when you watch the Thriller in Manila and the Rumble in the Jungle and all them types of documentaries and the Four Kings things like that you get to you get to really get to you feel like you get a real insight into these things even though you weren't alive at the time it happened when you're hearing from the people that were around at the time you kind of you can kind of sort of connect to it emotionally and and, and you feel like when you watch the fight on YouTube you feel like you kind of feel like yeah even though I kind of know the result I still want to see how the fight goes but this was one particular fight that uh, if you if you love your boxing you need to go and watch it because it's a great piece of boxing history and it kind of sets the precedent for the 80s really of, of Larry Holmes taking over from Muhammad Ali Trevor Burbeck funnily enough uh, I think it was the Mike Tyson's opponent I think it was Trevor Burbeck who Mike Tyson beat to become the first uh, well the youngest ever heavyweight champion I could be totally 100% wrong but I'm pretty sure it was Trevor Burbeck he beat uh, in 1986 yeah that sort of 
that's my section for the week. Boxing history on this day, 1981. Larry Holmes beating Trevor Burbeck, going 15 rounds for the first time in his career. Going on now to news and gossip. Uh, really exciting to, to talk about news and gossip this week because there's so much stuff going on in boxing. I just can't keep up with everything. Uh, it just feels like every day I go on social media or I go on uh, you know, media outlets and I see all these different rumours and bits and bits of information going on. I just want to really sort of touch on what I've got on my list and anything that you've got, Cahill. So the first one uh, is Frank Warren is apparently holding a press conference tomorrow, the 12th of April, for a major announcement. Now, we've spoke about this before, before we went on the air, and a lot of people are speculating it could be the Tyson Fury announcement that we're all waiting for. But then there's also some speculation that it's a Billy Joe announcement as well. But I hope it is Tyson Fury's announcement. I hope it is the confirmation that he's back. It was again, there was a photo of him on social media today, looking really slim and down at Hatton's gym, looking like he's look like he's, he looks like he's in his fight shape. To be honest with you, he looks like he's ready now. So I'm hoping this kind of coincides with that, and, and this is the announcement we're all looking for. What do you think, Carl? Do you think do you think this is it? Do you think we're finally getting this announcement? I'd, I'd be surprised if it wasn't the, the Tyson Fury one. I think it, uh, it's a real coup for Frank Warren to get to get Tyson Fury on the books and I think it's it, it's been too long seeing kind of over the past few months we've seen Tyson Fury slowly but surely get the weight off and, and he looks in great shape and fantastic shape and he needs to be commended just for getting the weight off and for someone who was in his kind of his frame of mind in that position in his life it, it, it's a good news story even just in terms of getting back in shape getting his motivation back and I'm really happy to see that that Tyson Fury has a smile on his face again because for a long time he was one of the characters in boxing and I think when he went it left it a bit stale and I think if he wasn't around it would leave it a bit stale too and um, I think a lot of these heavyweights sometimes uh, they lack it uh, maybe a small bit of character or just kind of I think people like when there's a bit of there's a bit of mouth in someone or there's a bit of kind of controversy in someone so I hope it I hope it's the I hope it's the Tyson Fury fight announcement and who who knows we might even get a might even get a fight announcement maybe for sometime in June or July. And I think the Manuel Charles one is one that um, would be exciting. That would be probably for the WBA regular title. So he's coming right back in into the mix. And I think the Manuel Charles is, is, is a perfect, perfect fight for him in terms of a comeback fight, in terms of picking up a title, in terms of getting his name back in, in, in that kind of, um, in, in, in with the top names again. I think Tyson Fury only needs maybe one or two fights before he can um, he can be in, in the mix with the, the big names. I'm not saying that in terms of fighting them, I just mean in terms of just being considered for fights. And I think Frank Warren has pulled off a little bit of a coup here beating Eddie Hearn to him, but I think Eddie, Hearn, I think Tyson Fury might have seen that he, he might have played second fiddle to Anthony Joshua because I think most fighters do when it comes to matchroom. I think Anthony Joshua is the boy over there. So it'll be interesting to see what Frank Warren can do, see if Fox Nation can build with him and BT can build with him because I, one of the most, I think the most exciting return, the most exciting comeback this year over every over anything. I think one of the most exciting things of boxing this year is to see how Tyson Fury returns and to see what he can do. So hopefully tomorrow was the start of all that. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing if it is that announcement. I really do hope it is because that that's what a lot of people are waiting for, to be honest with you, in Britain. You know, there's a lot of people... I feel like Fury seems to have more support now than he ever did before he, before he, yeah. he sort of left and, and went out and kind of went on a bit of a binge and put loads of weight on and, and all sorts of other stuff that were going on. I feel like he's more well-supported now than he ever was. And that's... It's strange, really, because it's like people didn't appreciate him when he was around, when he picked up that victory which against Klitschko was 
One of the greatest upsets, regardless of what people may say to this statement, it was one of the greatest upsets in boxing history. Nobody expected him to go over there and do what he did to Vladimir Klitschko. Nobody expected that whatsoever, at all. Because at that point, really, no. I mean, he fought Derek Chisora twice, Tyson Fury at this point, and he'd not really fought anybody on the same level as Klitschko, put it that way. So you wouldn't have expected him to go in there and do what he did, and he did, and he come away with every single belt in the division. Yeah, I'd love to see it, but I'd love to see him back. I hope it is that announcement anyway. But uh, another announcement today was from George Groves on Twitter, which uh, he'd revealed that he'd had a scan after his shoulder surgery, and apparently it's healed perfectly. So according to the George Groves camp, they're ready to fight Callum Smith in the World Boxing Super Series final if a delay can be put on it and it can be moved to around July the 7th. We, we talked about this before, you know, they should, they should delay it at the end of the day because he's the champion. He's the only legitimate champion left now in the tournament. So we wanted to see that fight happen and we wanted to see a true winner come out of it at the end. So they've had the news now, the Sourlands. Surely they've got to be able to jig things about and get and get this happening on July the 7th. Surely. Yeah, you'd be hoping that it can that they can jig it around. You'd be thinking that you want the two fighters in the, in, in the final. You don't want to see anyone else get that shot. They've both earned it. And it's the fight everyone wants to see. And I think George Groves coming back. You'd be worrying when it comes to a shoulder, when it comes to a fighter, and maybe kind of popping out like that. Not kind of when he, it was just by throwing and it wasn't coming out of a clinch and just kind of got tangled arms or something like that. Or kind of maybe catching it on the rope or anything like that. So it, it, I'm I'm so happy to see George Groves kind of if they can delay it one month. What's one month? You're 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 still gonna get to see the fight you want to see, and I think it a lot of, it would turn a lot of people sour maybe to that competition if they thought are they just gonna put anyone in? Is it not the guy who is boxing? You don't get it when you want it. You you sometimes have to wait. And I'm willing to wait for this fight. Yeah, I think everybody is. I think everybody would be happy to see that fight happen on July the 7th. There's no point of, of just cancelling the whole thing. No point. You know what I mean, yeah, obviously there's stuff involved that they've got to sort out. But yeah, I'll, they have to sort a few things. There's, it only makes sense. And I think Smith would be the same. He, he'll want to fight Groves. And I think Groves should be given that little bit of time just to get fit and to be ready for a fight. Because he, he holds the titles and he holds kind of... He, he's the name when it comes to this at the moment. Well... I want to move on and go to the next piece of information that we've got for this week. The World Boxing Association is ordering Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin deadline for negotiations is May the 5th. So, this is funnily enough the same night as Hay and Bellew and obviously Triple G and if that ever happens. That's the negotiation date for that one. If 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 that comes to fruition, we, you know, we might see that fight happen. But again, I've seen quotes today that apparently Joshua is not interested in a Povetkin fight. He wants the Wilder fight. So... Does that mean that if, if they can't come to any sort of agreement for negotiations, does that mean he then he ends up having to, to lose that title? Will he get stripped of that title? Is that is that something that potentially could happen? One one other side note onto that story is that they've also stated that if Joshua can successfully get a unification fight with Deontay Wilder arranged, then they will put a special permit in place for it, which is the right thing to do, I think, in this instance, to see, you know, potentially see one overall heavyweight champion as we've seen in the past i just get this sneaking suspicion that isn't going to go that way and what we're going to end up seeing is joshua for fighting pavetkin and defending the wva version of the title or or joshua fighting somebody else and and having to to lose that title we've i think we've talked about it before i think we talked about last week or the week before and again what what do you make of these types of situations how do you see this actually going down yeah i think i think for the wilder fight and the joshua fight to be truly 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 special I think we need all the belts on the line. It's still a huge fight, but I think to have one undisputed champion, it probably would only last for a few weeks in terms of the way these mandatories are called. 
and the way the politics is in boxing, um, I think it would only happen. So it, it would be great to see the heavyweight division to be unified, even if it is, as I said, only for a few weeks. But we see him with Tyson Fury when it came to the IBF when he when he after he won the titles. The, the governing bodies are still going to work the way they work. They're not going to worry about who's who's holding the belt. So could it be that the Wilder fight gets made without the WBA title? Or do we see Joshua v. Povetkin? I don't think Joshua wants the Povetkin fight. I don't think Povetkin fight those great numbers in terms of being able to sell it to pay-per-view, being able to bring bring that fight to America. So it's kind of one from Atrium that's kind of the one they wouldn't want. I'd say if the next fight, if it's not Wilder, it would be Miller for Joshua. And I think that we'll see Wilder maybe face Brazil, maybe Dillian White. But I think these kind of things are what turn you a little bit sour towards kind of boxing when these titles are called. And they're the fights that you're kind of saying, well, he might have to drop the title. But hopefully Eddie Hearn can work a bit of his magic and he can get the WBA to kind of, I'm sure to be a, a kind of the way they can work it where they can kind of delay the mandatory. So hopefully they can work that. But if it, if it does put more pressure on them making the, the Joshua Wilder fight and kind of speeding that one up, I'm all for that because that's a fight I'd like to see next for both guys. And for myself, who's one of them that I believe there should be only one belt. It's not going to happen, but to have one undisputed heavyweight champion again to know who's the who's the number one guy. That that's what we truly that's what we truly want. I don't think Povetkin deserves the chance at a world title. I think everyone knows our feelings on that, Sean. And he, he he's earned the right in terms of coming back and fighting. But I I think Josh was right in terms of not wanting to fight. And hopefully, Eddie Hearn can work his magic and and make the WBA realize that um there's bigger fights to be made and not the Povetkin fight. Yeah, I mean, like you said, everybody knows our thoughts and feelings on that. I think it echoes a lot of other people's thoughts and feelings on the situation, to be honest with you. But we'll just, again, as always, just kind of see how it plays out and, and hope that it plays out the way that everybody wants it to play out. Moving on to other pieces of news this week. Paul Butler's been announced as fighting for the IBF version of the Bantamweight title against Emmanuel Rodriguez on the undercard of Tony Bellew and David Hayes' rematch on the 5th of May. So, when he beat Stuart Hall in Liverpool, I was there in September last year I thought I thought that was actually an eliminator for the WBA version of the title and now I see this announcement being made about him fighting for the IBF version of the title which uh, surprised me when I seen it when I seen IBF because I had this um, this suspicion I'm pretty sure he was supposed to fight for the WBA title because that's what he'd essentially been mandatory for because he, he won the fight with Stuart Hall for that. So it's good that he's getting this fight. I, you know, obviously I'm really happy for him that, that this is happening for him. And it's going to be good to be on a big card like that. And, and, and I don't really know a lot about Emmanuel Rodriguez, to be honest with you, other than I know that he is an undefeated fighter. And it's going to be interesting to see whether... Paul Butler can continue to, to make his rebuild right back to the top again because since that loss to Tete, you know, he had a few fights which were sort of activity fights. He went back in with Stuart Hall. It was probably past his best at this point when he fought him back in September. As it was quite obvious on the night, he was he's a little bit slower than usual and obviously Butler had the had the number on that night. It's it's just one of them with me. Like I wanna see Paul Butler get to the top again, but I just don't know how long you can stay at the top once he's there. I mean, when you've got the likes of Solani Tete and Ryan Burnett floating around, you kind of make it makes you feel like he's kind of third in line, especially after them two. And going back to sort of his opponent, Emmanuel Rodriguez, I mean, looking down his record as we speak, I, I don't really know anybody that's on his record at all. And the majority of his fights have been in his native country, which is Puerto Rico. So, again, it's just kind of one of them. It's You don't really know what what Rodriguez is about because he's a bit of an unknown quantity at this stage however he could be one of these people where he comes over and just absolutely shocks the world 
because we've seen this happen a numerous amount of times where a certain unknown quantity comes over and just kind of kind of shocks the world. I remember when uh, Timothy Bradley came over to fight Junior Witter for the WBC title that Witter held at the time uh, in the welterweight division and he came over and he beat Junior Witter and, and kind of gave him a boxing lesson really and that and then from there on the rest is history really with Tim Bradley you know what he achieved in, in boxing after that so you never know this could be the same instance but it's difficult to sort of judge how this fight's going to go you think you're going to be favouring Paul Butler in this one do you think if Paul Butler wins this and picks up this IBF title do you, I mean do you do you agree with me in the sense that you kind of feel he's, he's, he's down on the pecking order a little bit even if he wins this he's, you still think that Burnett and Tete are in front of him yeah I think they're in front of him anyway well I think Burnett is going to be when it comes to they vacated the belt and it, it's a chance to pick up a world title but You'd, you'd be kind of disappointed in how Matrim have pushed him. They haven't really made a big deal having Paul Butler, and he's a really good fighter. He's only one defeat on on the record, and you don't know what you're going to get from Rodriguez coming over with an undefeated record. That could be that could be padded like a mattress. So you you wouldn't know where you could get a kind of one of those those kind of um one of those fighters that just comes over and and it just blows you away. Where you're kind of going, where's this guy being helped? I haven't heard of this guy yet. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see what if he does pick up the world title, what Paul Butler can do. I think they'll. I think Eddie Hearnby, Iron kind of, um, maybe he'd be willing to put him in with Tede, who knows, but it, it's exciting times for the Bantamweight division if they do the World Boxing Super Series, that's one I'd like to see, and who knows that we put Paul Butler in there, I think Matchroom would kind of be happy with that, because they did the same with Jamie Cox, they were happy to throw him in there when they just signed him, and I think they've had Paul Butler now, and they haven't really done a whole pile with him, kind of disappointing really, because he was one of the fi- one of the main fixtures over there with Frank Warren, so if he can pick up a world title, he becomes a lot more valuable to Eddie Hearn, and who knows, he might throw him into the into the Super Series, but Butler's one of them that he has a really, really good record, but I just don't think he has the, the profile, unfortunately, that some fighters do. I think he, he, he slips under the radar, so it's great that he's on the big card, on the on the, the Hey Bellew card, so he's going to get the spotlight there, he's the world title fight on that card, and who knows, it might be, it could be with another world title fight, so great to see Paul Butler getting another chance, because from what I've seen, he's always he's always in exciting fights, and only the one defeat to Tete, who... I think a lot of people admit that Tete is uh, is something special when it comes to the bantamweight division. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that statement about Tete. It's funny because the thing is, even when Paul Butler wins it, Eddie Hearn wins either way because Ryan Burnett was the one that was just holding the IBF title, and obviously, like you said earlier, they vacated, they've had to vacate it. And either either way, Eddie Hearn wins because if Paul Butler wins this, he's got the IBF title back in his stable, essentially back in match room. So it's win 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 situation. And if they end up doing the World Boxing Super Series, which is um, looking like it's it's a strong possibility then there's a potential that they might throw Butler in there as well as Ryan Burnett and as well as Tate uh, and other bantamweights in the division. If Jamie McDonnell goes and beats Inoue, then Jamie McDonald's probably going to be thrown in there as well. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if that fight ends up getting made for it. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one I'd, I'd really look forward to seeing now when I'm talking about it. And it makes me sort of think, wow, the type of fights that we could see in the World Boxing Super Series bantamweight division it would be, be awesome. It would be fans' dream, really, to see them types of fights yeah. and, and see them fighters go in against each other. It would be the fights we want to see. So uh, I look forward to that, and it's good to see Paul Butler back, as you said. Another piece of news this week is Bradley Skeet coming out. He's saying he's intending to vacate the British title if he beats his opponent for the European title on April the 28th. And then apparently he wants the winner of the Matisse-Manny Pacquiao match up in July. So... Skeet's a guy that I don't really always feel has ever got the credit he deserves, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people criticise Skeet as a fighter. And it's what it's what, it's, what, it's like you 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 would always say it's kind of one of them situations where with Skeet is I don't always feel his the promotional side of things for him has been managed the best. I don't think he's been put out there 
in the greatest of fashions. I mean, when you when you think about the way other fighters get promoted, you know, you, you know when they're on, you know when they're fighting, you know what's going on. It's like with this fight now with Bradley Skeet on April 28th, you wouldn't have really known about it because you don't really get a lot of promotion on it, to be honest with you. And that that's kind of the job of Frank Warren and Box Nation to do that. And I'm, bit, I'm probably being a little bit critical of it here, but I, to be honest, I knew he was fighting. I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. And up until started going through all the stuff this week, it made me realise, oh yeah, Bradley Skeet's fighting again. He's a guy that, you know, we were expecting to sort of see going to the cusp of a world title at some point. And, and now he's saying, obviously, he wants to win this world uh, European title to then go on to the winner of Matisse and Pacquiao. But going, I've not really heard your thoughts and opinions on Bradley Skeet, to be honest with you. So I'm quite interested to see what you think of him as a fighter. And, and again, on sort of them comments from me, really, about the fact that I don't feel he's, he's promoted very well in terms of when he's got a fight on, you don't really know about it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think it, I think Frank Warren would sometimes, when it comes to certain fighters, has a lot to be has a lot to answer for because Bradley Skeet is going over to Spain fighting an undefeated fighter. Boxing isn't huge in Spain. Why Frank Warren wouldn't have been able to make that make that fight for Bradley Skeet? Over in the UK is beyond why Bradley Ski is traveling over to over to Bilbao to to fight for the title. It, it, it's so strange because he's only got one defeat on the record that came against Frankie Gavin at the time. It, it was no disgrace losing to Frankie Gavin, still isn't if it, if it was to happen again. But these kind of things are what, what I always find fr- strange about Frank Warren. He seems to have his his fighter that, he's, that he's that he pushes and fighters that he has like a really good stable of fighters over there. But he do, Bradley Skeet doesn't get the recognition that I feel he deserves. He, you'd find it hard to kind of see how Frank Warren's going to make the Pacquiao, maybe Matisse fight with Bradley Skeet because I think that was, that was close before and it fell through. So I think if Manny Pacquiao, I don't think he's going to be willing to entertain Bradley Skeet maybe if Frank Warren's involved there because he's gone over, as I said, to face an un, un, undefeated Spaniard. He says he'll vacate the British title, but they just don't get the promotion. Maybe it's because the channel they're on is, is is still building, but and you're not you're not watching that every evening. You're not kind of seeing it on come up in your in your news thread on your on your phone so much. But a guy with a really good record who's on the verge, maybe if you can pick up the European title, getting a, the European title of picking up a, a chance at a world title. So I think Frank Warren at sometimes could um I think you could throw it on that he doesn't promote all his fighters all too well, and that he should be pushing them because it's not like I think Eddie Hearn, not Eddie Hearn, sorry. I think Frank Warren has a number of cards that he needs to fill now with BT and Box Nation between now and the end of the year. So why this one couldn't be in the UK? I'm sure it will be on Box Nation. It will be on Box Nation. But these kind of cards are stuff that you should be having in the UK. He shouldn't have to travel to Spain because boxing is big in the UK. I'm not I'm not saying that it's not big in Spain. I don't know how big it is, but I'm sure Frank Warren's kind of the clout he has, the money he has. I'm sure he could have been able to to bring this fight over to the UK, but maybe he struck the ball on this one and maybe it was one that just got away from them a little bit. I just can't imagine he was beating the first bids to bring the fight over to Spain because it's going to be tough now for Bradley Skeet to go over there facing an, under, an undefeated fighter who, who who knows what his record's like, but an undefeated fighter has to be respected because there's a reason he's undefeated. He, he, and he's a puncher too. So it's it, that's it, it's an interesting fight, but I'd have to kind of be thinking what how how is this fight being allowed to get to Spain? So if Bradley Skeet can get it and get the European title and then vacate the British title, that frees that up so someone can fight for that. So... You'd be hoping from a kind of the standpoint of someone who watches British boxing that Bradley Skeet is going to get the promotion he deserves and hopefully if he can put on a great performance over in Spain 
that maybe the likes of Manny Pacquiao and Matisse will give him the chance after they finish fighting. We'll just have to see what happens with it. It was funnily enough, we're going to go back to another piece of news this week, which is just, you know, even even recording this podcast, actually, going off the subject a little bit, while we sat here recording the podcast for this week, more and more news just keeps spewing out on social media, and, you know, it just gives me more stuff to talk about on this episode, <laughs> funnily enough. Gironta Davis and Lomachenko, a fight that's been talked about all week this week, again, quite a few times. It's a fight that apparently is supposed to happen should both of them come through their respective fights. Uh, Giovante, I think, at the end of this month, and then we've got Lomachenko Linares uh, in, in the 12th. Uh, but then, on on the back of that, whilst we've been recording the podcast, further news has come out. This is from Bob Arum via ESPN. Apparently, Lomachenko's plan for this year, according to him, is Linares on May the 12th, a fight with Ray Beltran in August, and then a potential fight with Manny Pacquiao in November slash December. What, what do you make of that? Well, the Manny Pacquiao fight is one I'd love to see. The Javante Davis one I don't really get. I think Javante gets a lot of kind of spotlight because he's he's a, a protege of uh, Floyd Mayweather, the Ray Beltran. You can see where they're going with that, maybe picking up a world title. But if he wants to keep Lomachenko busy, he's only going to be in big fights. And I think if you like Lomachenko, if if, if that's if Bob Arum is going to keep to his word, there's some huge fights out there. Uh, maybe a couple, maybe a passing of the torch, maybe in a couple of them, because I think Lomachenko is the real deal. With um coming up in, in up in the divisions and the Javante Davis one might fall to the wayside because it's it's like a lot of people don't have time for Javante Davis. I think it, he's he has a name because he's linked with um Floyd Mayweather, but some of his antics and fights and stuff like that would kind of turn you off to him. But it'd be exciting to see the tank come back maybe later in the month. But exciting to see what Lomachenko does. I can't wait for the the Linares fight especially. I think. That could be that could steal that could steal um fight of the year. Oh yeah, no, you know what? I can't wait to talk about that in more detail in, in a couple of weeks' time because that's a fight I'm really looking forward to as well. So, yeah, I mean it's it's one of them. Again, you, you hear so much stuff on social media that could genuinely be the plan from Bob Arum. If Bob Arum's saying that's what he wants and that's what he's going to try and get, so we'll all just have to see how it goes. I mean, so much speculation all the time, and 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 now again, as we've been recording the podcast, you probably won't have picked up on this yourself yet, but. Again, there's another piece of information coming out that apparently Golden Boy's Eric Gomez has claimed that Spike O'Sullivan has declined an offer to face Gennady Kolovkin on May the 5th. So, obviously, Triple G might not fight at, at all now. That's what they're saying. And, again, that's according to ESPN, who have come out with that via Golden Boy's Eric Gomez. We've been talking about it earlier on in the podcast. What, what do you make of that? Do you really think Spike O'Sullivan's team are going to say no to that? Or do you think it's a case of, if he, if they have declined it, it's because they've put in a really, really stupid and shit offer? I can't imagine Spike O'Sullivan turning down what would be the biggest fight of his career against probably... It, it, just looking at it now, yeah, the, the words bollocks scream, scream out to me. I can't imagine why Spike would turn that down, and I can't imagine that he did turn it down. Maybe the, there's politics around this. Um, actually, Dan Raphael is reporting it. So usually one that you'd look towards, he's only reporting what um, this Eric Gomez has um, has been reporting. I can't imagine Spike turning it down unless the offer was completely awful. It, w- it would make no sense if, if the offer was there to fight Golovkin. As I said, unless the offer is terrible, I think Spike would be taking that. He'd be taking your arm off for that kind of, t- that kind of, t- that kind of shot. At, at, at the champion and I think I think there's more to come from this I think that that will unravel over the next um, few hours maybe more into tomorrow but shocked to hear that that Spike could turn it down can't imagine that he would turn it down though I can't I, for me it, it, there's a lot more to come from that because I can't see Spike turning that down I really can't no, like, like we say, you know, social media brings us so much all the time and one minute the fight's on, the next minute the fight's off. Uh, we'll just, again, we'll just have to see how that situation progresses over the next 24 to 48 hours and then obviously... 
is that Golden Boy, he's with Golden Boy, so why would Golden Boy say that he's declined it? Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's it, it's, it's stupid, isn't it? You know, you get you, you just get this information coming out of different sources all the time, and it's, it can be so frustrating at times. Uh, hopefully we'll get the true story, you know, in the next 24 to 48 hours, and like you say, the only reason uh, Spike O'Sullivan would have turned this down is if it was an absolutely ridiculous offer. Why would he turn down the chance to make a... Because either way, even if he goes into that fight and loses that fight... Do you know that it'll enhance his reputation tenfold? And even if he yep. could still get, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting Spike would lose that fight, but you got to heavily favour Gennady Golovkin in that fight. And even if Spike was to go in there, put on a good account of himself, it still potentially leads him on to some good money fights afterwards. I mean, he's no spring chicken anymore, Spike. Let's let's get it let's get it right. He's, I think he's thirty three now, isn't he, Spike? So you know, he's at the back end of his career, really. Uh, and and a big fight like this. If he if he wins, it'll do absolute wonders. It'll turn him into an instant celebrity, especially in Ireland for court for sure. He's already a big, you know, boxing uh, sort of celebrity in Ireland as it is. But this will just transcend him even more. But even if he was to go in there, put a great performance, but lose, it'll do no harm at all. If anything, it'll rise his stock because people will see more of Spike O'Sullivan, people that may have not seen him before, and then they'll, you know, you'll get other other fighters. And other fighters camps wanting to sort of fight Spike O'Sullivan, so there'll be some good money fights either way for him. But I just hope we finally get a resolution to this situation by the time we record the next episode of the podcast, because it's yeah, it's becoming a bit of a joke to be honest with you now. For the past couple of weeks, we've talked about it and we're thinking Canelo, this has happened. Now Spike's in the running. Now he's not in the running. I just want this. I want a resolution to it. I want to know what we're going to be looking at on May the fifth, or whether we're not going to be looking at that fight at all. Uh, but that sort of wraps it up for for that part of the show for me. I really there isn't anything else I've picked up on this week no actually no I'm lying to you what what do you make of the um, proposed rules for a Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor rematch in the octagon oh well there's there's no elbows there's no knees there's no kicks Um, for me isn't that just a boxing match again which you're already seeing that I don't think anybody else wants to see again it's just going to be in an octagon not a ring so I think that's one that I don't think they're going to get. Well, it depends on if Conor McGregor can keep himself out of jail long enough to actually have another fight. Yeah. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, the one he's he's teasing up himself. We all know he's coming back. He said he's not going to box again, but it sounds like he is going to box again, just in a kind of compromise rules, which which for me it just sounds like a boxing match. Maybe would maybe it's a tiny bit more grappling on the feet. Maybe they can get close this time and that kind of thing. But it sounds like it sounds like bullshit. It doesn't sound like anything I really want to see in terms of that. I think the. The compromise rules thing is not something it wants to see. If it's going to be an MMA fight, have an MMA fight because, in fairness to McGregor, he did he did take on the full set of boxing rules. Well, so let's get some more breaking news as it's happening live on the podcast. Packy Collins has just tweeted out, and I don't know if you've seen it, and it says so many rumours circulating about who fights Triple G next or whether the fight is even happening because of all the uncertainty. We have made the decision to withdraw Spike O'Sullivan as a possible opponent. He will instead fight on the 4th of May on ESPN in LA. Yeah, he was always going to fight on the 4th of May in LA, which is which is still, it's still if you can pick up the, another win, it's he's still going to get a big fight next. That's what people need to remember, and I think he'll be in with a decent name again this time on the on May fifth. And in fairness, it, it it makes sense in terms of if there's too much uncertainty around it, and Spike can't concentrate on what it's going to be if they're going to pull the fight, then he can't concentrate on his opponent for May May fourth. So it's going to give him some clarity. He knows what's happening now, and maybe he's been he's been told what's going to happen next if he can pick up the win. So I'd I'd expect the May fifth card to be pulled now. I can't see. 
who they're going to put in with Golovkin that people would actually want to watch. I think from an Irish standpoint and from a lot of people's standpoint, I would like to see Spike O'Sullivan. So I, you'd have to say respect to them to kind of come out and say it and kind of go, no, we're putting this to bed now. We're not having this speculation carry on because it's probably hanging over the whole gym every day. You can say, oh, exciting news tomorrow, exciting news tomorrow. And it's probably having an effect that Spike can't concentrate on maybe his May 4th show. He's still going to be fighting. He's still out May 4th, just the night before what would have been the Golovkin fight. So um, disappointing in terms of it didn't come off on May 5th for Spike. For Spike but um, I, I still think he can get the win on May 4th and he's still going to be in a big fight. I think the, the Canelo one isn't one that's going to go away as long as Canelo is still a registered boxer. And I think the Golovkin one, I think they've seen that there's interest there. They've seen that people want to see that fight. So who knows that one could happen on, maybe down the line. Maybe if um, the Golovkin one is pulled, maybe later in the summer, maybe come maybe July or August. Maybe Spike can get get his chance there, but um, the I'm sure the I'm sure there was enough kind of um enough want from Spike to to take the fight. I don't think it's because he didn't want the fight. I think it's pure pure speculation. Um, only a couple of weeks out, two, two three weeks from the fight, so um, I don't think they would have been doing themselves um enough justice being able just as a short kind of camp just to basically prepare for Golovkin. But Mackie Collins did say they were training for Golovkin, so um they they were up for it. I don't think anybody can say they weren't. So. Um, it's it's disappointing, um, I think is what we can say. But I do expect Spike O'Sullivan to fight May Fourth, fight a decent name. And you can, if you if you kind of take your fan hat off, sometimes you can understand from Spike's point of view that he wants to be able to focus on an opponent. He wants to be able to focus on a fight night, and that's what he's going to do. And hopefully, um, he can get the win then, and hopefully, the, ne- the his next fight is the big fight that he deserves. Well, let's just wait and see what happens now. It's weird because we're talking about it and then all of a sudden it pops up on the Twitter feed whilst we're doing the podcast live. Um, so when this goes out, obviously, tomorrow, which is Thursday, people are going to already know about it this time, so we'll already be talking about it. So it's good to get a bit of a live update as, as a recording, to be honest with you, because you know things change so often by the time we put the podcast out. Things have changed within 24 hours, so it's uh, it's good it's good to get that information now. Now, uh, at the end of the podcast but is there anything else uh, that's on your mind this week for news and gossip anything you've seen this week that you want to talk about no not really um i think it, it's gonna be busy again that room card coming up so um not, you, you, sometimes as you said the breaking news comes up so you think it's gonna be a quiet episode then news comes in of, it, of a golovkin fight with the spike thing so that comes up and kind of it makes it not so um not so quiet so um no i've, I've nothing else to add sean it was it's a good episode to get done, and it's great to have Joe Cordine on the episode. And as I said, the, the kind of breaking news kind of um, didn't make it as quiet as we thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's um, it's been really good again. Another episode. It's episode number thirty. You know, I can't believe I'm thirty episodes in uh, to, to doing this. And obviously, you joined us. Uh, when did you, you join us in January? So, how many episodes have we done together now? It's about it's about nine or ten now. Is it something like that? It's it's quite a few, anyways. Yeah. Uh, we're, st- we're stacking them up and we're racking them up, and there's just more. More and more to come uh, as the months go by, and, and and obviously you're tirelessly working to try and get as many interviews as you can. I'm out there trying to push out for interviews, and you know trying to get people on the show, and, and the followings picking up. And I, I'm really, as we've always said, every episode we say it every week. We really enjoy doing what we're doing, and it's really good. And you know I can only thank the guys that are listening to the podcast, the guys and girls, and the the, the fans over in Ireland. You know, there's people what listening to it from all around the UK. And the beauty of being able to check the analytical side of things is, is being able to see where people are actually listening from, and it's good to. to to get people listening from from London, from Ireland, you know, I've even got people listening in Brisbane as well. Funnily enough, and you know, it's, it's amazing to to to, to hear. 
uh, and see that we are getting that type of reach. So I really appreciate everybody listening, and I really appreciate, uh, as I know you do, the the guys that are coming onto the show, doing the interviews for the show, and being a part of the show each week because it's it's what's making it progress even further along. And I'm I'm really enjoying doing this every week, and you know, long may it continue, and long may we get some exciting stuff to talk about. And again, I keep saying this, and I apologise to the listeners because I keep saying every week I'm going to do a Twitter poll. I'm going to do a Twitter poll for a singular episode. I promise you. Once this podcast is finished, we're going to do a sing. I'm going to do a singular uh, episode talk with yourself, Carl, and we're going to get this nailed on the head, and we'll get something put out on Twitter tonight, and we'll let people get voting on it. So by the time the podcast goes live tomorrow, by the time that's done, we'll know what episode we're going to singular record uh, in the next couple of weeks, and we'll get that out to the listeners as well. But yeah, thank you for coming on, Carl, again as always, and uh, getting the Joe Cardino interview, and uh, thanks for all your input this week. It's been a uh, been a little shorter this week because there's not as much going on it'll probably be back to normal next week you're probably looking at an hour and 50 mark next week just because there's so much going on and obviously if there's interviews to put in there as you know it takes a little bit of time up so thank you again everybody uh Cole, anything before you go no just to set to, to kind of um second what you said sean we do i, I really enjoy doing this every week and to get the chat with fighters and getting to kind of be in contact with them and kind of being able to put them in the show it, it, it's exciting for us and um, next week I think it'll be back to normal in terms of um, it, it's busy again next weekend and it, it just gets busier from there I think um, I think it is almost three weekends in a row with big with big fights on so um, plenty to talk about and plenty of interviews to do and we do, we do have exciting news coming up now in the next maybe week couple of weeks so that's one to stay tuned for and something that we're really happy about so yeah no um, just keep listening and if you have anyone as I always say if you have anyone who um, who likes boxing or is interested in boxing always push my way because I think we do have something to offer, and I think it is something different each week. So, uh, no, just um, another great episode. I'm looking forward to next week already. Yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, as always. And obviously, thank you to everybody for listening. You know where to find us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod. Facebook is Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. You want to email us, it's Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast at gmail.com. You want to follow the other social media platform, which is Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat across all social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the YouTube channel. Get over there and subscribe. Uh, there'll be some new content coming out on there very soon. So, as the boxing season's really starting to pick up over the next few weeks we're going to get some new content out on there Uh, but again as always thank you everybody for listening to this episode and we'll see you and we'll speak to you next week sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.